0: Welcome to Not In A Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not In A Huff. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it, as always. This week is a little bit of a shorter one, but just a really fascinating story I interviewed Jenna Jong. Now she immigrated here as a, as a child um, from China and uh, she's just done some some really cool things. Um, we're gonna get into you know her early life and wheeling and dealing. Um, you know essentially she's an entrepreneur. She, she got it honestly. that's that's kind of what her family has been for, for many generations. But the cool thing about what she's doing is she just launched a watch company. They've actually got a watch right now on Kickstarter. It's live right now. Um, you know, if you're listening to this in, in between July and August of 2021. If not, I'm sure go check out their website. Uh, with, with any luck, the, it was a, a smashing success, and uh, you can buy it there. But right now, you can buy it on Kickstarter. But the really interesting thing about these watches are they actually have a piece of a Lamborghini Embedded in the watch, we're going to talk about exactly what that means, how she got the idea. Uh, there's uh, there's some Hurricane Harvey tied into this, but I just like to hear from people who are doing really, really amazing, interesting things. You know, thinking outside the box. That's what uh, that's what Jenna Jong certainly did. So, without further ado, here is my interview with watch designer. Fashion design graduate Jenna Jong. I am here today with Jenna Jong. Jenna, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, I always like to kind of just start at the beginning. Tell us just a little bit about uh, yourself, whether it's, it's growing up or just about yourself in general. I do believe that you you do have a little bit of a story as far as growing up. I think i listened to you on another podcast and if I'm not mistaken, you might've immigrated to the United States. Is that right?
1: That's absolutely correct. Um, So I immigrated uh, to the United States when I was about six and a half, seven. And before I came here, I lived in Japan and um, China and I was originally born in China.
0: What what exactly, what brought your, your family to the United States?
1: My father was, um, he, he really wanted to seek a better life. Um, my family has been through a lot back um, where I'm from and um, living in a different country, especially a third world country at the time, we didn't have the resources um, to progress further in life and in my parents' careers. Um, But although um, we weren't given much, my parents were still very accomplished um, with the given circumstances, but they sought to give me a better life. And so they dropped everything and they came here um, and they practically started over with nothing. And so um, I would say I'm very grateful to have that opportunity to grow up and watch you know, two very strong people build a life out of nothing. And um, very grateful that they decided to migrate here into the US. I've been treated so well in this country. Um, very grateful. <laughs> I, I don't know how many times I could repeat that. Um I, I love I love it here and I don't think there's any other country like this country.
0: Very good. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's kind of a, a no-brainer, you know, what I'm about ready to ask you, but we're going to obviously talk about your, I guess, your entrepreneurial spirit and some of the, the things you're doing. Do you think that, you know, your, your parents and, and how they pick themselves up from nothing like you just said, do you think that's kind of contributed to you being the entrepreneur that you are, that you are now?
1: Absolutely. Um, I also come from, I guess, a family, well, it's maybe twice or three times removed now, but um, You know, my great grandparents were business people, at least my great grandfather was, and he was very, very successful entrepreneur uh, during his time. Um, He owned some factories and they they did very, very well. And although we had that taken away from us, I think it's part of my blood. So it's been passed down. And uh, after, you know, a couple of generations of building back up from nothing, we're finally ready to pursue that um, I'd like to call it something that I feel I'm destined to do, which is, um, create businesses and generate wealth for not only my family, but the community around me.
0: Absolutely. So when, when you did move to the United States, where did you guys settle? and Are you still there?
1: Yeah. So we first, when we first came here, we came to Houston, Texas, actually just 20 minutes Southeast of Houston in a little town called Sugarland. Okay. And, um, I moved out of Texas for college for five years, but ultimately decided to come back because this is where my family is. And also the people here are just bar none. Um, very, very amazing. Um, they care about their community. There's this um, Southern hospitality and, you um, People here just seem a lot more close knit than in any other other big cities that I've lived in, and I've lived in you know New York, London, Milan, Tokyo. Uh, you know, you, you can name a big city I've probably been there, <laughs> and um, I honestly think Houston's one of the best cities that I've been in.
0: Yeah, and in the podcast I was listening to you. In, I think that you both were from Texas, so you guys definitely had some some Texas love. I'm not from Texas. I've been to Texas once, so I can't really I can't really share your Texas love there. I enjoyed my my one visit though. But but yeah, you kind of mentioned that uh, uh, you did you did leave while you were in, in school, and that's something that I I saw in your background that I think you studied design and you studied in a lot of different places. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so um, right as I graduated college, I didn't know what to do, really. So I kind of did a fine arts, uh, explored fine arts for a bit in Maryland at MICA. Decided I didn't really like it. I want to do something that's more applicable and with real life um, experience, I guess. Um, Not so artsy-fartsy. And so I moved to design school and um, relocated to New York City and studied at Fashion Institute of Technology. And during I, during the time I was there, um, I did two study abroad programs. So one would be in Central Saint Martins in London, and the other one is Politecnico di Milano in Milan, Italy.
0: Gotcha. And so, um, what exactly were you were you studying with with design? I know that can mean a lot of different things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I did. Uh, my undergrad in women's wear design. Uh, It's Mm. fashion, high fashion stuff. Um, And also did a specialization in knitwear design, which has nothing to do with uh, what I'm doing now, but that's pretty normal for anyone graduating college. But the uh, fundamentals are still there because you have to apply a certain style of thinking. And um, you wouldn't get that if you didn't go to a design school. So that can translate into interior design, which is something I also dabble a little bit in. Uh, product design—I've actually um, did product design right out of school for um, a job in Italy, and um, now I'm doing watch design, graphic design, web design, all sorts of things, and um, it's pretty much all interconnected.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, I, and that's kind of the the interesting thing about you're going and getting a degree—you really can. But you know, people stress so much about. What degree they're going to get? When really you can you can use the tools and the the skills that you learn, uh, you know, with education for a lot of different things. I guess kind of tell us just a little bit about, um, you know, before before you decided to go into into watch design. Um, what were there any other, I guess, entrepreneurial things that that you were doing, or is this kind of your first foray into? Into creating your own your own business, so to speak.
1: Oh man, okay. Well, if we're talking about all the businesses that I've worked on, the first I guess entrepreneurial thing that I did was when I was in uh, was it elementary school or middle school? I, I was like twelve or thirteen at the time. I was playing video games and um, not doing homework. <laughs> but I was at home playing video games and. Um, I taught myself how to code HTML. Um, I just thought it was fun. I was running a store on one of the games that I was playing, and HTML helped me bring in more customers. And so I got a lot of uh, other kids um, playing the game asking me, "Hey, can you build a you know a storefront for me?" So I taught myself HTML, and I started you know selling code little lines of code injection.
0: That was
1: when I was a kid that was the first one <laughs> <laughs> when I was in I think middle school going into high school an outlet store just opened uh, maybe 20-30 minutes away from my house and so on the weekends I would go uh, with my family and we'd pick up you know coach bags and um, wallets at a heavily discounted price and I would flip them on eBay and that's like back when eBay was a, a huge thing so I made I would say two hundred percent returns on those things it was it was back in the early days when you know you can make a killing off of eBay so that was um that was fun <laughs> but those are my my early business experiences
0: yeah I know that's that's awesome i I like to hear that normally they you know people that that do grow up and and start their own businesses and and have i guess that passion it, it does start early so I always like to hear you know, from people who, who are, you know, in, in successful businesses now that that created it, it's kind of a, it's not necessarily a learned thing. A lot of times it's kind of an innate thing. So I, I, it doesn't surprise me that you've been kind of hustling since you were a kid. So that's really cool. So do, I mean, let, let, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the watch business and I believe it's called Olympus watch. Um, So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So Olympus Watch Co. actually is um, my a reiteration of another watch business that I started before. I've always loved the intricate workings of watches and of cars. I, I think there's a lot of um, overlap in those two diagrams. And I'm sure a lot of uh, car enthusiasts and watch enthusiasts would agree. And so it's always been Something that was on the back of my head. Like, how can I work both in the car industry and in the watch industry? Because those two things intrigued me very much. Um, but the idea really started to took, take form when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston. And I was there um, by myself at home when it happened. And I just was flipping through the channels on the news and saw how, you know, Harvey. Did a lot of damage to the automotive industry here. It Did a lot of damage to small businesses, to private homes. Um, you know, my neighbors were flooded. My friends and family got you know a lot of a lot of stuff happened to them. But um, all of that seemed to be on the forefront of the news media stations for a very limited amount of time. And you know, maybe just. A week, I don't remember how many days after um, Harvey happened, all of a sudden the news started to take a change in tone. And that's when they started talking about Mattress Mac opening up all of his showrooms for, you know, the residents of Houston, you know, foregoing hundreds of thousands of dollars in his own inventory so he can provide you know the citizens here with a place to stay and with warm meals and it was very very um it was a pivotal moment for the city of Houston that's you know he inspired J.J. Watt to do um a fundraiser and and then they inspired you know all these unnamed good Samaritans to go out and risk their lives their own boats and uh, start to you know rescue stranded dogs and cats and people and families. And so Houston turned something that could have been a huge disaster that people are still talking about to this day, into something that's very empowering. Um, And that really inspired me to, you know, follow in that path, and ask myself, what can I do, that sort of symbolizes that spirit of rebuilding from rebuilding out of destruction, right. And that's when you know it clicked for me like what if I take the cars that could not be you know could not be driven anymore they're damaged and turn them into something beautiful like watches because you know essentially these supercars even though these parts you can't use them anymore they're sitting in the back of a junkyard for years and years people out there still appreciate them there are people out there who would still want a piece of that there's so much passion and um and love that goes into making these parts. There's behind every um, car, there's a designer working 60, 70 hours a week, perfecting it to the last stroke. You know, there's um, an engineer doing everything he can to make sure that it's the most aerodynamic car um, in existence at the time. And all of that would be lost if you just toss it away into the back of a junkyard. So, what We do is we take those parts, we polish them, we treat them, and, you know, we hand place them into these Swiss made watches. By the way, the Swiss made, the Swiss watches are handmade in Switzerland. Everything is assembled by hand uh, because we appreciate that level of artisanship. And so every piece of a Lamborghini is then vacuum sealed in the case back Um, I think it's very special because every watch has a unique grain to it. They're all one of a kind, essentially. And they have great stories that you can tell to anyone that you give these watches to, especially people who um, love Lamborghinis and they want to own a piece of that. And what
0: if I could, what so what exactly what piece of of the car, is it is it a, a piece of like the body or a piece of the engine or or what exactly is it attached to this watch?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So right now we have a piece of the body. The body is the easiest to work with, but we do have um, pieces of the engine in the pipeline that we have to do some more research and development to figure out how to put them in the watch and have them run properly for, you know, 20, 30 years. Um, so that's in the pipeline. But for now, we have a piece of the body, and uh, it's a Lamborghini Gallardo from 2012.
0: Gotcha. So, I mean, obviously, a, a, a Lamborghini is a lot bigger than a watch. So, do, I mean, is it is it just one that you're one Lamborghini that you're making this all out of, or is it several, or or how is that working?
1: It is the part of one of the Lamborghinis um, that is bent out of shape. So, the rest of the car has gone to a a great owner, but, um, we take the parts that can't be used anymore and turn them
0: into watches. So you're saying that a piece of the, the body is, is in the, the back of the watch. Is that right?
1: Yes. It's in the case back.
0: And then, uh, you know, you, you mentioned about it, them being Swiss made. So the, the ideal behind that is just that, that, I mean, there's a lot of watch companies. I think some of the biggest ones are from, from Switzerland. So you, you've mentioned that it's just because the, of the craftsmanship behind Swiss made watches?
1: Well, um, it's not just the craftsmanship behind the Swiss made watches. I um, actually, it took me a long time to find the ideal person to collaborate with, to work on these watches because not only is has he been in the industry for over 30 years, um, he's worked with some of the biggest luxury Swiss made watch brands Uh, in existence today as some of the most prestigious and so he's always been a watch enthusiast himself but as a matter of fact he's also worked in the automotive industry so he loves cars and he drives a Carrera himself and so um, he seemed to be a perfect fit for me and that's how I know that you know it's not just labor it's the artisanship and it's the The love of what we do that translates into the product that we make and so you can say yes is swiss made but they're a huge conglomerate they're a big uh, they they sort of um make everything with machines there's some some of the stuff is lost right some of that some of that passion that love for watches is lost when you manufacture uh, watches and i always think um because it's sort of like a heritage um, piece. I would say Timepieces, of course, um, their utility is um, being overtaken by smartphones and smartwatches, but it's, it's the artisanship and the craftsmanship that the people appreciate. And that's why watches are still very popular to this day. And so that story is very well translated um, when you have everything that's made by hand, that's made slowly and it lasts long, it looks great. And that's why um, we are very proudly um, Swiss made.
0: Gotcha. So are are the watches, are they battery operated? Are they wind up or what exactly are they?
1: They're not automatic. They're quartz watches, which means they're battery operated, which is also why we can sell them at uh, a price of $499 on our Kickstarter launch. If they are automatic, which is going to be the next collection, they're going to be in the thousands, uh, easily in the thousands especially for something that's handmade in switzerland
0: what does automatic mean is that is that the is that wind up
1: no not wind up so automatic is um you have a rotor in the back and as you move around during the day it winds up the watch for you Hmm. talking about mechanical watches where at the end of the day you have to wind it up and um it'll run for about 24 to 48 hours for you
0: is that is that a thing that many people do anymore? I have a watch that's wind up. I think it's kind of cool. I don't wear watches very often, but I, I do think that one's kind of cool.
1: Oh yeah, it's great. Um, all the watch nerds and aficionados out there, they love their mechanical and automatic watches. They don't even um, they don't even care about quartz watches. But personally, I think there is a a very good appeal to quartz watches. It's a great way to um, it's a great gateway for new watch enthusiasts to get into the club and um, not have to deal with a lot of the things that uh, people who own mechanical watches have to do, which is, you know, for example, get it periodically serviced. And and it takes a lot of work to take care of a mechanical watch. And so um, these watches will be great for them, kind of like Mm -hmm. a starter pack.
0: Yeah. So tell us. You know, th- this this is another one that I think that if a if a watch enthusiast or anyone who I guess likes the the finer things in life are listening, they're going to think this is a goofy question. But for those who aren't that way, what what's the difference, and why should someone be looking at a watch that's even four hundred ninety nine dollars compared to you know the, a Walmart watch for for nineteen ninety
1: nine? Well, there is a huge difference between a $20 watch and a $400 watch. For one, um, you don't know where the watches from Walmart came from, but most likely they came from China. And uh, Chinese watches, although um, they have huge factories with great turnaround time and they, they look good, um, at the end of the day, they're cheap watches and they'll break down very quickly. Uh, if you want something that will last you a long time, And if you want something that's great quality, that, um, you know, I've seen watches from Walmart where the hour markers just decide to dislodge themselves and fall out (laughs) of the dial. Um, That kind of stuff will not fly when a watch is hand assembled. It only happens when it's machine assembled. And so, over the long run, if you want to own one nice watch that not only looks good, but lasts you 10 times as long as a Walmart watch, then it's good to make that investment. I mean, you're paying the same price over a period of time.
0: Yeah, no, there, I, there's, I mean, there's a lot of people that are, are definitely with, you know, the mechanical watches. And I think some of the other ones that you're talking about, you know, the, the nice watches, you you see people with their grandparents watch because they do really last a, a good, good long time for sure. So how, how big is, is your, I know you said that you're you're launching on Kickstarter soon, but how big is your operation so far? You've mentioned yourself and, and this, uh, this maker in in Switzerland, but is there, is there much other behind it yet? Or is that, is that still in the works?
1: Oh yeah. So our production team in Switzerland is um, at any given point in time between 60 to 90 people. Hmm. It's a boutique atelier, but that's the team that's uh, going to be working on the watches. So the turnaround time is still well-controlled. They're very professional and they're a family-owned business. And um, we have a marketing team here. We have a design, a um, couple of design people here. So, I mean, all in all, um, the operations, I would say, is somewhere between, I don't know the exact number, but between 60 to 90 people.
0: Yeah. So is this, I mean, is this your your... I guess your main four time role now?
1: Yes, yes. I gotcha. I mean, I'm also doing grad school, so I'm splitting my time between these two things.
0: I gotcha, no, that, that's really cool. So tell us, you, know, you, you, uh, you said it's launching on Kickstarter soon. So I don't know whether there's a place people can really find it now, but maybe more information about it for, for when it does launch.
1: Sure, um, if you wanna know anything about the watch, if you have any questions, go ahead and visit our website, www.olympuswatches.co that's watches plural (laughs) but you can go ahead and follow uh, olympus watches on instagram at olympus watch co
0: at olympus watch co no that's awesome kickstarter again it launches july the what the 15th july the 15th no it's it's been an absolute pleasure I have checked out the, the website, definitely sleek, slick looking watches. You know, you, you mentioned exactly why they, uh, they stand out and the uniqueness of having, um, you know, a Lamborghini part within the watch. That's, that's really cool. Um, just the, the uniqueness of, uh, I guess the, the handmade, um, watch. So it's, it's a, it was a pleasure speaking with you. And, uh, I think that it'll, a lot of people will be interested in, in hearing more.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jackson.
0: Absolutely. And that was my interview with Jenna Jong. What an amazing person, just thinking outside the box. I always try to bring you somebody who's got a really cool story to tell, somebody that's doing something that we just don't know a lot about. You heard in the interview, I certainly don't know a lot about watchmaking and designing, definitely about adding a a luxury supercar in a a watch. I don't think a lot of people uh, know too much about that. Uh, but I wanted to just bring somebody on who's just rocking it really. Um, I, I had a chance uh, in, in the editing here to, to go check out that Kickstarter that is live. It is already successfully funded. Super happy about that. During the Kickstarter in the um, you know the show description, I'm gonna put the link to the Kickstarter afterwards. You'll just have to go to their website. I'm sure that uh, she's talked about a few other lines that, that may be coming. So, so definitely check those out. Check out the Kickstarter, should it still be live. But uh, I really enjoyed my my conversation with uh, with Jenna. Just uh, I, I like to hear somebody making something out of you know a, a harder situation. You know, immigration. Um, you know, she she talked about you know some of her her family issues we didn't really go too much into it um but it uh, seems like there was a struggle there at some point and being able to to just make something so so great out of it i always like to hear that i like to hear you know the the inventor and the imagine, uh, imagination that she has and and uh just creating something that's that's really awesome so do check out the kickstarter check out her page Remember, it's OlympicWatchesPlural.co, watches And, uh, of course, as always, check us out. If you haven't already subscribed, followed, all that great stuff on Instagram, Not in a Huff Podcast, Facebook, Not in Huff with Jackson Huff, JacksonHuff.com. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate Jenna's time. And uh, take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.